0: the hard shoulder
1: on Newstalk
0: with Nissan's big electric switch. Scrappage is now available on your old car when you switch to a 100% electric Nissan Leaf. We are delving into the world of dictators now. Uh, How do they rise to power? How do they manage to rule so long? Hoodwink, some might say, their populations and the devastation many of them left behind. News Talk's own Simon Tierney has been examining all of these aspects we talked about. King Jong-un last week, Uh, but now it's somebody a little further back in history, Nicolae Ceausescu, leader of Romania for more than 20 years from the 1960s right through until the 1980s, Simon. I mean, that's one of these aspects of dictators. They do go on and on for an awful long time.
1: They do. Um, You're very welcome, by the way. Thank you very much, Sinead. Good to be here. Well, they're completely um, unaccountable to anyone. you know, often a one-party system. Uh, he was a totalitarian leader for 24 years, as you say, from 65 to 89. Particularly strong example of totalitarianism, I think, probably one of the more repressive regimes in the Eastern Bloc um, of the Soviet satellite states. um. <laughs> One thing that sets Ceausescu apart that I wanted to speak briefly about today, Sinead, is how he was embraced by Western leaders, unlike a lot of other dictators. He was knighted by the Queen. He was in 1978. Um, extraordinary to think that when we look retrospectively at his history. But the story of that is interesting in the sense that he was invited because the Brits thought that he was going to do a deal on purchasing some aircraft. And in order for that trade deal to go ahead, Ceausescu said that he wanted a state visit to the UK and he wanted an open-top carriage trip down the mall. Um, Talk about the vanity of the dictator. And the Brits they acquiesced, even though they were well aware that he was a dictator. Uh, Reggie Seconde, who was the British ambassador to Romania at the time, he said in a memo which was released subsequently, he was as absolute a dictator as can be found in the world today. So it just goes to show how willing... Western powers are often and still are today in many ways. The British and the Americans still trade arms with autocratic states like Saudi Arabia. Yes, indeed. So if it benefits us in the West, we are often unfortunately willing to engage with these people. And Nikolai Ceausescu was no exception.
0: So, yeah, I know. And we can't sit on our high horse, um, you know, when you when you allow things like that to be done for whatever reason. Tell us how bad it got in Romania under his rule, Simon.
1: Yeah, the cult of personality that he developed, that Ceausescu developed, was quite extraordinary. And I wanted to touch on the Palace of the People or the Palace of the Parliament, as it's now called since they got rid of this guy. Um, It's an extraordinary building. It's the second largest administrative building in the world after the Pentagon. And the reason why I think it's, interesting from a dictatorial perspective, Sinead, is because dictators will often use architecture as literal, physical manifestations of their own egomania. And the Palace of the People is an extraordinary example of that. This this is a room that he commissioned in 1984. 1,100 rooms. It's the second largest administrative building, as I said. It's also Bizarre record as being the heaviest building in the world because it's so filled with dripping marble. Um, Apparently, it sinks every year by six millimeters because it's so heavy. God knows how long it'll take to sink altogether. But um, it, you know, they had to displace forty thousand people from the area where it was built, it has this grand avenue leading up to it, which is something Hitler always wanted to build in um, Berlin, but he never had the time to do it. And the avenue had to be wider and longer than the Champs-Élysées. This is classic dictatorial move.
0: Isn't it? Bigger, higher, longer, more beautiful. Where did we hear that recently? Well, we won't maybe include <coughs> some more recent leaders in that uh, in that Ilk. And um, the influence was felt, though, far beyond Romania. I mean, you've talked there about, you know, the Brits preparing to kind of change their entire policy because of it. Uh, Richard Nixon was a bit of a fan.
1: Nixon, uh, there's a great line. There's so many photographs of Richard Nixon with Nicolae Ceausescu. Um In fact, Nixon reached out to a lot of uh, communist dictators. Of course, he was the first to visit Red China, as the Americans like to call it, and uh, Mao Zedong in the 1970s. But he did visit Ceausescu in Bucharest. And indeed, um, Ceausescu visited Nixon in the White House. Nixon famously called him... He said that, yeah, he may be a commie, but he's our commie, was the famous line. Because Ceausescu was sort of seen as the human face of communism. He had stood up to Brezhnev when the Warsaw Pact countries had invaded Czechoslovakia in 1968 after the uprising there. And, you know, he he was seen as kind of a commie, but he was on our side of the West, which, of course, subsequently when it all came out, all the dreadful things that he'd been doing um, in, in his own country and to his own people what seemed so egregious.
0: And th- they were quick to dissociate then, I presume, fairly quickly after that, when, when all that came to light. Let's talk about that for a minute because, you know, whatever about his ego and the buildings and the power and all that kind of thing, you you know, there was a horrendous legacy left after the Ceausescu regime. I mean, you're talking about hundreds of thousands of children displaced in orphanages. I mean, I remember that time. You're, you're not young enough. You're, you're too young to remember, but I certainly do. And the Romanian babies and the Romanian orphans were in the news when this broke all of the time. Um, it really was damning.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up Sinead because it really is one of the the most damning aspects of his legacy. Um, There were 170,000 children in orphanages across the state that were discovered in various states of starvation and neglect um, after he fell in 1989. These were the so-called child gulags. He had this policy, this insane idea that if he grew the population um, that out of all sense of proportion that that would bolster the Romanian economy. He believed that more people was more money. And he encouraged and incentivized Romanian women to have as many children as possible. So you had this outrageous situation, which was totally out of control, of women having nine, ten children. And they couldn't cope. They didn't have enough money to support them. They were put into state orphanages and they were... Uh, neglected to uh, unbelievable degrees. And that was uh, just one of the most egregious aspects of his of his legacy, it really was.
0: Now, when we're in the West here, and I suppose in a democracy, it, I suppose it's very difficult for us to realise or understand the status in which these dictators are held. I mean, would it be go so far as to say that he was nearly like a deity, a god?
1: he was, he was, he really was like every textbook in school had his portrait the political theatre of Nikolai Ceausescu was extraordinary stadiums full of thousands of performers no audience except him and his politburo but um, all to kind of deify him in, in, in some way there was endless national days to him and his wife uh, Elena Ceausescu um, the synchronised dances and everything was Done. He could only be filmed from the left side because he had um, liver spots on the other side of his face that he didn't want people to see. All these rules, no freedom of the press, no freedom of expression. And of course this led him to be very paranoid. And we can never forget that the fear goes both ways with dictatorships. We always imagine a population living in fear. But dictators also live in fear because they know that the illusion... they only really as good the as,
0: as their last kind of um, uh, exactly. ruling. Yeah.
1: Exactly. That, that, that everything that they project to the public is often built on a lie. And Nikolai Ceausescu was one of the most paranoid of the dictators. His home, the Spring Palace, had no kitchen, for example. People were, they couldn't believe that there was no kitchen because all his meals were prepared in a secure Police facility. We didn't trust the chefs. And, and they were couriered down <sighs> the down the street when he stayed in Buckingham Palace. Um, the the Queen uh, all his meals had to be tested before he ate them just in case the Queen had pulled a fast one uh, probably not but uh, that's the way he operated
0: yeah well, of course then you have to trust the food testers don't you So exactly yeah, and the point. paranoia builds on itself until you
1: can't trust anyone
0: alright tell us about the beginning of the end and, and his final demise Christmas Day of all times yeah that it's extraordinary
1: footage if you get to watch this on YouTube he was delivering one of his great choreographed speeches in the the square uh, that great square that I mentioned a few moments ago in Bucharest and suddenly the crowd started to rebel they started to shout things at him they were um, you know booing him and eventually he had to be taken away and he couldn't believe you can see the shock on his face him and Elena were imprisoned and after a few days on Christmas Day 1989 they were well they had this kind of ridiculous show trial which lasted an hour and then they were sentenced to death and that was those images of them in all their finery um, being shot uh, outside were sent all around the world.
0: Indeed. All right. Simon Tierney, that was an absolutely fascinating look into uh, Another Dictator and I'll be tuning in next week uh, for your next one next Tuesday. (laughs)